It's the body cam scam. You know, these things, these police body cameras, they were supposed to make us more safe. The public, right? Greater accountability, enhanced safety. They're playing a game with us, aren't they? When the footage is released, which footage is released, how it's released, something's very odd. Now, first up, the situation in Memphis looks totally, totally horrendous to me. Uh, The police were out of control here. It is a shame that the defendant insisted on resisting Tyree Nichols, who's 29 years old and dead now. Um, The resistance did not help, but these cops had no business doing what they did. I'll have more on that in a moment. I am concerned, however, released on a Friday night. I mean, why don't they release this stuff on a Tuesday morning? Friday night, the weekend, rioting, okay? And people like to riot these days, don't they? There's some concern about that. However, this case is mitigated by race. Yes, we'll say it out loud. The police officers happen to be African-American, as CNN reports. They're also holding out, and the, and the, uh, the victim also African-American. But CNN is not ruling out that it all may have been driven by racism. All right. Keep that in mind. But more on Memphis a little bit later in the show. Today, we saw the body cam footage from San Francisco. Three months old. uh, They decided to release that this morning. And it's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, Looks like Paul Pelosi was hit in the head by a maniac. I still have some questions, and uh, let's go through it, shall we? The police show up at the house after being called by Mr. Pelosi at uh, 2.30 in the morning. Watch. Yeah. Fucking said 2620, right? No, 2640. Oh, yeah, it literally said in there. Uh, the door is opening. Here's discrepancy number one. There are discrepancies in life, but I did read in the court documents that the police opened the door. Yeah, two officers opened the door to see the foyer uh, of the Pelosi residence. That did not happen. I don't know why they would make such a basic mistake in such a high-profile case. So the door is open. It's a little bit unclear who's opening it, the pape who's in there and or Paul Pelosi, but the door is open. Watch. Hi. How you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? Everything's good. Hi. Uh, Notice that Paul Pelosi is smiling. It's just a little bit odd, isn't it? I mean... Uh, hi, I, I, I don't I don't get that. But then again, it's a confusing situation. It's two thirty in the morning. You may have a maniac. Who knows? Uh, and take a look at this. Paul Pelosi has a drink in his hand. Uh, it seems to be ice and lime in that drink. So one hand he's holding on to the hammer and the other hand he's holding on to a drink. That's a little bit odd. But this is pretty severe. What happens next? Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey, 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 hey. What is Pardon going on? Right I'm now? not getting an answer on call. Bro, oh, 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 o
that attack. That was uh, that was pretty aggressive, right? Uh, there are some odd factors here, though. I mentioned the drink. I mentioned, uh, well, there's ice on the ground. Afterwards, we see ice all over the place. Now, keep in mind, uh, they said Pelosi was sleeping when DePape got there, so he would have had to have made that drink after the guy got there. That's kind of odd, but maybe there's an explanation. Uh, DePape himself seen loitering in a way, kind of just scoping out the area behind the house for quite some time before grabbing his uh, hammer and just hammering away at that window before going inside. No burglar alarms, which is strange. Now, we don't know for sure if there was a pre-existing relationship, if he knew Pelosi or DePape. They've been saying no, but the DePape family has raised the question. The son actually said out loud, look, did these guys know each other? It's a possibility. And the mainstream media at one point indicated that maybe the Pelosi knew DePape. Remember Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Now, this guy did a pretty thorough and informative report, and he was promptly suspended. I'm not sure why. Nobody really can get the answer to that, but this is what got him in trouble. Law enforcement officials tell us the bottom line here is this was a terrifying situation. We still don't know exactly what unfolded between Mr. Pelosi and the suspect for the 30 minutes they were alone inside that house before police arrived. That's a good question, right? Did they get angry at this? Were they having drinks? Why, why was Paul Pelosi smiling? I don't know. It's just, it's a little bit weird, but you know what? These things are weird, okay? Lots of weird things happen in life. It doesn't mean that Pelosi, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a little bit odd. And did they know each other before all of this? It seems unlikely, given the acts trying to get in. Was there some sort of grievance? No, it seems unlikely. But back to that NBC News report with Miguel Almaguer from the mainstream media. Watch this. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Investigators previously said that. The inference a lot of us made, maybe they're not saying that now. Who knows? DePap seems like a pretty strange guy. And his lawyer seems pretty strange, too. So this this video comes out and his lawyer says, I think it was a terrible mistake to release this evidence. And in particular, the video releasing this footage is disrespectful to Mr. Pelosi. Quite frankly, I think that statement was disrespectful to his client. But who knows? Look, after this went down, you know what they did. They politicized it. They, the political left, even the Pelosi's themselves. Yeah, they did. Any of us who had questions about anything, well, they say that's where this debate fellow was coming from, that he had the same questions. Therefore, our questions led to his questions. It's kind of nonsense when you think about it, but they went with it. David DePap, he's a man with a history of spreading far-right conspiracy theories on Facebook and elsewhere on the Internet about COVID vaccines, the 2020 election, and the January 6th insurrection. He had previously posted conspiracy theories about the COVID, COVID vaccine on social media. He said he was known to rant about COVID conspiracies. You see, this is, uh, this is very obnoxious, actually, how they're characterizing it. Because good people can have concerns about the vaccine. 
They called us conspiracy theorists when we said it came from a lab in Wuhan. Remember that? Um, somehow our concerns led to this violence. He's a kook. He's a nut job, okay? There are plenty of them in America. We're not going to talk like babies, like we're talking to children all the time to make sure that the crazies don't misreact to what we're saying. Fair enough. There was so much of this. The violent rhetoric that came down from Donald Trump led to the attack on Paul Pelosi. Very fascinating. The president drawing a straight line from the 1-6 attack to Trump election denial to the attack on Paul Pelosi. The attack on Paul Pelosi just before the election mm -hmm. a few months ago. Another moment where rhetoric that was fueled by conspiracy, social media, Donald Trump and his legacy manifested itself an act of violence. You see what they did? And January 6th was their favorite, though. It was all January 6th. If only our concerns about the election, its fairness, those are legitimate. They're trying to illegitimize those, right? Delegitimize those. Say we can't have them because somebody might do something crazy. That's not how our system works. There will always be crazy people. They will always do crazy things. That's unfortunate. That should be addressed. But we're not going to stifle our freedom of speech, right? Maybe. President Biden drew a line between what happened on January 6th and, yeah. and the attack on your husband. The president said, I quote, the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those were the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th. Do you draw that same line? Absolutely. There's no question. It's the same, the same thing. And uh, copycat or whatever it happens to be inflamed by the same misrepresentation. And remember, this happened on the eve of the midterm elections, which, oh, by the way, did not go too well for, uh, I'm presuming, our side, right? We wanted more. Nancy exploited this. They all exploited this. It was an opportunity. They have a saying in the Democrat Party, let no crisis go to waste, right? Everything is an opportunity. Nancy got the questions, though, in my head going pretty early about this whole thing. I had my doubts, quite frankly, because of her statement the very next morning. She puts out a statement about what happened and how terrible it was, but this line got my attention, okay? The speaker and her family are grateful to the first responders and medical professionals involved and request privacy at this time. The privacy at this time, that's the part that didn't make sense to me. I mean. I could see demanding justice at this time, asking witnesses to come forward. But privacy? He didn't do anything wrong, right? Why privacy? I don't understand that. I also think that we weren't briefed sufficiently by any doctors, right? Were we? Look, maybe Nancy panicked when she heard about what happened at the House. After all, Paul has had an eventful year. 2022 was an eventful year. A few months earlier, he was on police body cam footage in, a, in another circumstance, wasn't he? And um, the first images that we saw of this body cam, and when we first heard this story, some of it seemed rather peculiar. But again, peculiar things in life happen. And Paul Pelosi looks like he is a, is a victim here. But don't use this episode to delegitimize genuine political conversation. And yes, it's genuine. For instance, I want to go back in history to the Vietnam War, 
All right. Now, Vietnam was very, very controversial. And there are a lot of people opposed to it. And you know what? You could be opposed to it. Vietnam is communist now. What difference does it make, really? I understand where they were coming from. Sure. Maybe I don't agree, but now some people took it far, too far. They bombed things. They bombed the Pentagon. They bombed the Capitol. They bombed universities. Now, that does not mean the peace movement lost its legitimacy, right? No, because of these crazy people took it too far. That doesn't mean that regular college students or whatever protesting the war were somehow bad. How about Bernie Sanders? Bernie Sanders, not my cup of tea, probably not yours either, but uh, Bernie Sanders motivated some crazy person who went to that ball field full of Republican uh, members of Congress and shot it up, remember? Remember this? Poor Steve Scalise almost died that day. We're not going to blame Bernie for that, even though the man who did it was uh, an avowed, devout Bernie supporter and a Trump hater. James T. Hodgkinson, Trump is a traitor. Trump has destroyed our democracy. It's time to destroy Trump and company. Wow. I want Bernie to win the White House. I don't hold that against Bernie, okay? I hold it against him. He's a crazy person, all right? It happens. And just like this, the pape guy is probably a crazy person. But look at what the left does. Our valid concerns, and they should have them too, about the COVID response, right? <laughs> We're allowed to talk about that in America. Yes, we are. We're also allowed to talk about our concerns, my concerns, about the fairness of the 2020 election. I still have my, I still have my doubts about what went down. That's fair. That's legitimate. But the left, they're using these opportunities to try to cancel us. What is the beginning of the beginning of sort of getting rid of the authoritarian habits of this new right wing party in America? Getting rid of getting rid of what our habits, believing in free speech in the Constitution. What is the issue getting rid of? What is the beginning of the end of the getting rid of the left? Are we talking about that? No, and we shouldn't. I don't agree with universal health care. We'll have that debate. But he's allowed to have those opinions, okay? Wow. All right. There's another um, sequence of body cam footage from Memphis, and this is bad. We're going to break that down next. All right, new video out from Memphis. This young man, Tyree Nichols, 29 years old, pulled over by Memphis police for what they say was reckless driving. What happens is, uh, is pretty grotesque. Now, he does seem to resist to some degree, but what the cops did is um, beyond. Uh, these five guys have been fired, and now they've been arrested. Uh, four of the five have already posted bond, about $250,000 each, so they're, they're no longer in custody. But the body cam footage, strangely, was released on a Friday night. Friday night, tomorrow, Saturday, a lot of people have off. What an opportunity to riot, right? We're fearful of riots. They should never release them on the Friday night. Although, I think that there might not be too much in the way of rioting. I'm hopeful. 
But let's go to the body cam footage. Uh, this is the first sequence we've been provided with. All right. At this point, it's kind of neither here nor there. This is not the worst of it by far. Uh, and this guy is in his own way resisting. They want him prone on the ground. He's not going all the way there. His hands are not he's not necessarily fully cooperating. And even though he's surrounded by six cops, he manages to get away. Now, we have the sound, actually, no sound on this next sequence, but he actually manages to get away and and runs and, and flees the cops. And there he goes. Cops run after him, but after about a half a block or so, they stop running after him. Uh, however, the suspect is spotted uh, a short distance away sometime later. And uh, this is where it gets really bad, folks. Okay, we can turn that off for now. Um, we're going to see another sequence. There is no sound in this portion. It's security camera footage from the neighborhood. And it looks like they're just beating this guy to death. That looked like a kick right in the face. Uh, all right, we have this broken up. And there are more kicks and plenty of punches to come. Uh, next, please. See that? that was, they're standing him up for these punches. Here comes another one. I don't care if he's resisting. Five cops to one? This is not how it works. And then there's more kicking and more punching. And then they drag him over to the car and prop him up against it. It looks to me like some 20 minutes go by, no ambulance, and no supervisors. A prominent police official looked at this and said, there are no radio cars. Usually you'd see marked police cars arrive. They don't arrive. It's all unmarked police cars, like as if they kept this a secret amongst themselves. It's very strange. Do we have another? Give me a hand. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. You might get sprayed again. Hey. 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 Hey, Mike. Hey. 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 Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Oh. Give me a hand. Mom. Give me a hand. Give me. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Give me a hand. All right. Okay. All right. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. What's up? You heard him call out for his mother. Um, an individual I know said maybe he's on some sort of PCP or something like this, but. 
his hands. He's still wiping his face. They can't control his hands, which seems like kind of, I'm sorry, incompetence on the part of the police. So this has a lot of people upset. Uh, a lot of folks were predicting violence tonight. Uh, we hear that Antifa has plans to uh, destroy Times Square. We hope that doesn't happen. Now, there is a mitigating factor here. Um, number one, we see children die all the time in this country uh, from violence. Now, you never hear about them because generally the victims you see here are killed by young people of color. And when a young person of color kills a young person of color, for whatever reason, Black Lives Matter doesn't seem to care. And for whatever reason, maybe this is the reason, because they only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. That's when they can make the most money and the most power. So the officers we have here, they are all African-American, it appears. And that, quite frankly, mitigates the situation. Can you imagine what America would look like tonight if these five officers were white and they had just done that to a black man? I think it would be a significantly different environment. Look, I want there to be peace tonight, I, and I want there to be justice. Um, one of the reasons why BLM, though, is actually trying to encourage this, encourage strife, encourage controversy, encourage the worst in all of us, I believe, is because they believe that policing is inherently racist. They do. It's a vestige from slavery. I write about this in my new book. It's Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And uh, I actually look at what the 1619 Project writes. And they write, by the 1900s, local municipalities began to establish police departments to enforce local laws in the East and Midwest, including Jim Crow laws. Local municipalities leaned on police to enforce and exert excessive brutality on African-Americans who violated any Jim Crow law. Jim Crow laws continued through the end of the 1960s. Now, this is absurd. <laughs> Policing and slavery are not interlinked as the 1619 Project wants us to believe. As I write, cities in the East and Midwest actually began to establish police departments by the 1900s. Are you kidding me? Doesn't the NAACP have any historians or even vaguely literate people on staff? All the major cities of America had official police departments in the modern sense before the Civil War. This is crazy stuff. But it's what the 1619 Project and so much of the woke left believe. It's in my book, available wherever books are sold. And we'll be right back. The police uh, moving in on Tyree Nichols, 29 years old. Big struggle here, but he gets away, and uh, they find him a few blocks later, and more or less, it looks like to me, I'm sorry, beat the guy to death. Now, he seems to be resisting, but, uh, I mean, come on, this is, this is over the top. But I'd like to bring in some, uh, let's get some expert analysis from former police commissioner Bernie Carrick of New York City. Welcome back, Commissioner. What do you think of this? Look, let, let me start by saying these guys are presumed innocent uh, until they're proven guilty, number one. Um, uh, number two, um, I, I have to tell you, Greg, uh, it looks bad. 
And it looks bad for a couple of things. One, I don't see the justification. Look, we weren't there. Everything I'm saying is based on speculation and what I've observed in the video. But at the, uh, I, I didn't see a real justification for the car stop. Not number one. Number two, there's two, I think, two other cars involved in the car stop. So this wasn't just a random stop. They were preparing to stop this vehicle. Uh, that's what it appears to be. Right. Um, he seems to be cooperative at some point on the ground, and things blow out of hand. You know, actually, look, this first part, I'm not phased by it, to be honest. Uh, there was probably right. some reason why they pulled him over. In his own way, he is resisting. He, they want him prone on the ground, and he's sitting up, and he's like, okay, right. I didn't do anything. There's a lot of that, so I don't have to go all the way on the ground. This part, I'm like, is this it? And it's not it. It gets a lot worse. Now, first of all, he gets away. He, do me a favor. Stop that for a second, because we're going to get to this. I want to go back to the previous footage. Commissioner, he gets away from five cops. It looks yeah, like there I don't, are five. I don't get that. Honestly, Greg, I, I don't get that. Uh, I, I don't understand how that happened. Um, you know, you have five guys. Uh, they have them on the ground. They're trying to restrain him. Um, not sure how he got away. Yeah, he gets away. I, and, and by the way, I can't necessarily tell if it's five or three, but it's numerous cops. He was on the ground. They shouldn't have. He shouldn't have gotten away. All right. So a couple of blocks later, they they find him, and they proceed. It looks like to me to beat him up. He is uh, subdued on the ground, although he seems to be resisting in terms of he he doesn't give them his hands to be cuffed. This guy kicks him. Looks like it's in the face. He comes back for several more kicks. And then they pick him up and they start, I mean, I'm sorry, they just start punching the hell out of him. Um, yeah, this is, this this right here, Watch it, what you're watching right here, this is just a beatdown. This isn't taking somebody into custody. This isn't restraining him. This isn't anything you would follow in the use of force continuum. Um, they're basically beating him down, uh, which is wrong. It's just wrong. You know, I want to go through uh, something with you. The body cam footage has been released on a Friday night. Now, for, for reasons I'll get into in a moment, and I addressed it earlier, I don't think we're going to see widespread rioting throughout the country. But, um, you know, Paul Pelosi, they waited three months. Uh, sometimes they release them right away. Sometimes they wait a couple of days. This, they waited a couple of uh, days. I mean, I'm sorry, but isn't it strange to release this stuff on a Friday night at 7 o'clock? You know what, Greg? Nobody knows better than you do. We live in an extremely political world today, and, and politics sort of controls uh, the narratives. And in this case, I think that's pretty much what happened. Well, that is a shame. I know an election year is coming, and uh, we've seen this before where they try to stir people up. But look, I want to show the officers who have been arrested and charged, I believe, with murder. Most of them are out of jail because they posted bond. Now, these five officers are black. Now, my takeaway from that, it, 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 in some sense, it's irrelevant. But the, the deceased is black. They're black. I think we both know that if these officers were white and they were doing that to a black man, the, the results, what we would be seeing throughout the country would be riots like we haven't seen before. Their race somehow, in some way, mitigates 
the the response am i is that a horrible thing to say i just think it's reality uh, unfortunately uh, greg uh, you know it is a horrible thing to say but it is reality look um you know i believe that you know and and anybody that's been in this business um i don't care what color you are i don't care what color the victim is i don't care what the color the cops are what i just watched should not have happened i listened to this kid's mother nichols mother say uh, earlier today what happened to my son should not have happened there are no greater words than that it should not have happened so uh you know let justice take its course and uh and see what happens and she called for uh for peace and let's hope that prevails uh the night is young and uh it's early on the west coast commissioner carrick we thank you again and we'll be right back thank you No crooked, crooked establishment. None of that twisting the truth. No talking down don't to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell, tell me how to think. think. They let, let me decide. Newsmax. Real news. For real people. So President Trump campaigning for president this weekend. Events in New Hampshire and South Carolina. He declared in November... But it's really looking like a real campaign. It starts now. What's happening? What does it all mean? We're joined by Laura Trump. Trump 2020 senior advisor, host of the Right View podcast, and the daughter-in-law of the 45th president of the United States. And full disclosure, I hope the 47th president of the United States. Laura, <laughs> welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Well, thank you, Greg. Great to be back with you. I'm doing great. And yes, I hope as well, the 47th president of the United States. We have no time to waste. It's too bad we can't vote this November on it. But I think we got to wait until 2024, unfortunately. All right. But look, um, there's some competition out there. They haven't declared yet, but a lot of people talking about DeSantis, Nikki Haley, uh, to a lesser extent, Mike Pence. Tell me what you're father-in-law's thoughts are on his opposition. You know, some people think <laughs> more candidates, the better, that it helps him. Uh, what are you hearing? Well, I mean, don't forget back in 2016, he had 17 people he had to defeat. And these were polished politicians. These are people who had been in the game for a long time. And he was an unknown businessman at the time. And I think you're right. I think it helped him to have more people in there. Um, but I think whoever it is we're talking about, whether it's Ron DeSantis, whether it's Nikki Haley, anyone else who decides they want to jump in this race uh, and try to, you know, run against him uh, for the Republican ticket in 2024, I think it's going to be a hard road for them because people are smart, Greg, and they remember who has actually done this job and who actually did the things we needed to do to make our country great. I mean, make America great again wasn't just a motto. It's what actually happened when Donald Trump was in the White House. And I think people are very upset with how bad things have gotten and how quickly we've gotten here. And I don't think we have any time to waste. We need somebody in in 2025 who understands the game, who understands the swamp, quite frankly, and understands how to get the job done. And of anyone who has been talked about to run in 2024, the only person who can say he's actually done it is Donald Trump. And I think he's very confident going into it, knowing that whoever might decide to throw their hat in the ring against him, uh, I don't think he's very concerned with it at this point. Now, you know, uh, the swamp, they tried to sabotage his presidency. They tried. Uh, the media, they never give him a, a fair shake. 
Um, you know, some other Republicans, I hear they, oh, well, you know, we can get along better uh, with the swamp. We can get along better. It's Trump's yeah. personality that turns uh, turns off the swamp. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't buy that argument, but what do you say when that's presented? What do you, what is the comeback? Well, I mean, the truth is the swamp is on both sides of the aisle. This isn't just, uh, we're not talking just about the Democrats. We're talking about the establishment. We're talking about the people who have lived their entire lives on the back of the United States taxpayers. And maybe we don't want somebody, Greg, who gets along with the swamp because we want a president who is in the White House fighting just for the American people, not for the special interest groups, not for the corporations, um, for the American people. And it is it takes a very tough person to do that job. So I think oftentimes the criticisms of my father-in-law that maybe he's too bold and brash and you know abrasive for some people, that's the reason he was so successful. That's the reason he got so much done, despite as you said, the, the swamp's attempt to take him down, and man, did they try to do it. Um, but I think you need someone like that in there to say, I don't care what they throw at me. I'm going to continue to fight for what I know is right for the American people. And I think oftentimes people forget that it took a special person like Donald Trump to get the job done. And, um, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's able to take it to him quite like he did. So Richard Nixon, uh, one of my favorite presidents, by the way, saw the potential in your father-in-law, I guess when he was still in his 30s. He saw this guy as a future president. want to run this by you. Richard Nixon ran for president uh, in 60, lost. And then they talked about the new Nixon. He rebranded himself somehow. And it was the new Nixon that won. Do you see you're an advisor? Are you advising him? Would you advise him to change anything in his approach. And with that in mind, what will we see uh, tomorrow in New Hampshire and South Carolina? Uh, you know, are, there, are there some surprises in store? Well, I think what you're going to see in New Hampshire and South Carolina is Donald Trump doing what I would advise him to do, Greg, and that is remind people of the things he did. Because look, the media, the swamp, as we're talking about it, has done everything possible to get people to forget in the past two years, how successful Americans were under Donald Trump's leadership as president, how successful our country was. Don't forget about the manufacturing jobs that we had coming back, about the trade deals with China, of all places, about the meetings with Kim Jong-un to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula. These are unprecedented things. Peace talks in the Middle East. People said these things could never happen. They happen under Donald Trump, but uh, it has been the goal, I think, of the media, the establishment, of course, the Democrats and the, the two years that we've had since Joe Biden has been president to get you to forget that, to demonize and tarnish Donald Trump in any way possible. And so I think the best thing he could do going forward is talk about the successes, talk about the things that he actually did when he was president. So much of it we never heard about because, again, he was fighting every single day against incoming from all angles. And so I think the best advice for Donald Trump, talk about what you did. And you don't need to change the game because he won the game don't forget, in such an incredible way in 2016 and won 11 million more voters in 2020. So I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel by any means. My advice is always talk about what you've done and talk about how you're going to do it again. And I think that's what you're going to hear in New Hampshire and in South Carolina.
Last question. I only got less than a minute, but uh, I have seen the fake news try to sabotage you. They've ambushed you. They've come at you with everything they've got, and you just toy with them. <laughs> you just parry them. I've never seen anything like it, quite frankly, on the Sunday shows. You're very, very good at it. I know you thought about the Senate in North Carolina uh, a couple years back. Uh, what are you thinking about next? Because obviously... You've got it. You've got that it factor, oh. <laughs> and you're good at politics. Uh, what do you What are you thinking? Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Look, I I just want to do the best I can to help the country, to help my father-in-law at this point. Um, I would never say never to anything in the future because, Greg, you and I both know people would have never seen Donald Trump coming. And and here we are talking about a third run at the White House for for Donald Trump. And so for me, um, look, I've got two young kids. My goals are, of course, to raise two incredible human beings. And in the meantime, hopefully help our country get back on the right track in whatever way I possibly can. So I never rule anything out in the future, uh, but those are my current plans for right now. You see what I mean? She can do it. <laughs> She's great at politics. Although you're a non-politician at the same time, all right? I'm not, because yeah. nobody wants to be a politician. You know what I'm talking no, about. You're, the you're, worst. you're great at this stuff. And uh, <laughs> Laura Trump, our best to your husband, Eric, and our best to your father-in-law, the 45th president of the United States. Thank you. And we'll be right back. Auschwitz one. This is where 20,000 prisoners were kept. Here's where the Jews were exterminated. They were brought in here and there'd be 700 at a time. There are holes that sort of litter the ceiling here. The gas was dropped in. The bodies were then brought into this crematorium area. We're here at Birkenau, part of the Auschwitz camp. And I brought a candle from the United States and I just wanted to come here and light a candle here um, on the 78th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. Greta Van Susteren in Auschwitz today in Poland, which, as she mentioned, was liberated on this day, January 27th in 1945, 78 years ago. Today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, we're joined by Craig Shirley, the great historian. Craig, quite frankly, I think this Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day is receiving more attention than any I can Remember, uh, when was it established? And uh, tell us more about it, if you don't mind. Well, it, it, Greg, it was established in the uh, late 70s, but recently the United Nations passed a resolution recognizing the National Holocaust Day, the Holocaust Remembrance Day. And it's obviously something, uh, it's one of the darkest day, d darkest chapters in American, in human history. And uh, we have to remember it. I think one thing is important to remember is, is that it, it, it was political. It was, it was it was racial and it was all those other things, but it was also political. Uh, national socialism is that's Nazism. It, it's a left wing ideology, and I see now we see left wing ideology in the United States creeping up with anti semitism. Recently, Berkeley just ba banished any Jewish speaker from its campus. So we see anti semitism. And you see elements of it, too, in liberalism, uh, anti-Semitism creeping in the United States. And I think it's very, very dangerous. And you know what? We have not rid the world of genocide. Genocide is real. Genocide happens. I mean, genocide, you know, Rwanda, these uh, these mass uh, campaigns against the Uyghurs. Genocide. What's that? Craig, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. What? 
communist China practices practice genocide every day. Yeah, I know. And never forget, you know, the never forget. It sounds very profound, uh, but a lot of people have forgotten, including vast portions of our government, corporate America, the yes. NBA. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of uh, it's heartbreaking when you really think about it's, it. Um, well, it's scary. It's scary. It is. It is. All right. Well, hey, do me a favor. You've read so many books for anybody who doesn't know enough about the Holocaust. Is there a particular book that you would recommend? Uh, well, I, I, immodestly, I would suggest April 1945, because that's about the uh, many, many things, including the discovery of all the death camps. That's one thing that astonished me. Uh, Greg, was was that we know about Auschwitz and we know about Treblinka and we know about Dachau and we know about some other death camps. But the Germans had established something like 50 different death camps all through Germany, uh, Poland and, and uh, Eastern Europe. So they were widespread through Europe. Uh, and then, of course, they were trying to destroy the uh, Jewish culture as well. Uh, uh, I can't think of any one book, but there's so many good books out there. I think that uh, the book Babi Yar, I read in college. And it was, it was about the uh, travesty that happened at Babi Yar when something like 40,000 uh, Jewish people were exterminated there in, in Poland. So I would recommend that for a book. And also the novel Holocaust, I read too in, in uh, high school. Uh, and that was an extremely good book uh, on the whole ordeal. All right. April 1945, that's your book. And Babi Yar, B A B I. Next word, Yar, Y-A-R. I don't think any of us really could know enough. And uh, Craig Shirley, thank you very much. And we'll be right back. He's on the campaign trail and Newsmax will be covering it live in New Hampshire tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock. I don't know exactly uh, what's going to go down, but it should be great. And later on, he'll be in South Carolina. We'll also have that. Hope you had a great week. I will see you Monday. Many, many thanks. Thanks for supporting Newsmax. See you soon.